Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RBG related. I am your host, Matthew. And as always, I got my two friends in little black boxes. We got Ryan. Sorry, I'm still trying not to laugh at the two good years joke. <laughs> and Scott. Listen to me. Listen to how I sound. Do I sound better? I know I've been yeah. sounding shitty, but do I sound good now? You sound much better. Tell me I sound good. You sound good. Thank I don't you, know how I sound. I got a new mic too, but I don't know if it's good. Actually, you sound a little better too. You you don't have the less roominess. Yeah, involved. it's because I, I bought a mic based on like the ones that the guys on Red Letter Media use because I saw that they sounded pretty good. I mean, yes, they have sound engineering, blah, 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 blah. But like they, they use some lapel mics that look pretty nice. I'm like, oh, they're like $20. Okay, let me get one of them. Cool. Yeah, and uh, Scott has improved his uh, with a actual, like, straight up in front of himself mic and with a, a containment uh, box. Yeah, you can I only mean, see his eyes. You can only see my eyes. Well, I have like things that I could sit on if I actually needed like be seen. Yeah, uh, but no, this is mainly for um, because uh, I'm starting. We're starting the uh, Sabat podcast soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we missed our first session for totally understandable reasons that I'm not mad about at all. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's cue everyone he is actually quite mad about it oh no i'm not i'm i'm mad but not at you great at, at stupid viruses yes at, at the goddamn rona yeah uh, just as an update uh i particularly have covid19 i'm hoping that the i just have a bad case of the flu we're gonna wait and see i've been tested it came back negative but that not that's not a hundred percent so we are just gonna have to wait and find out but i feel okay right now ryan how's your gaming been Oh, it's fine. I mean, we've been doing the same ones. Uh, we've been doing the Dungeons and the Dragons. Yep. We've yep, been doing yep, yep. the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. We had a star. I mean, there was a pretty good Star War at some point. And there was a war up in the stars. We started far, far up away. in a war zone. Yep. yep. <laughs> Y'all made it through a pretty pretty rough situation. Mm-hmm. And that was we hard. had our own. Du- we had our dungeon crawl, if I remember. Yeah, correctly. it was kind of a dungeon crawl. Yeah, I mean. It was with uh, an explosive ending. Indeed. Kabooms. Kabooms. And Scott, what about you? How's your gaming? Same old, same old. Like, there's not a lot of room for jumping around and doing weird shit and having mm-hmm. fun. Like, there, there is, but it's all in the Zoom. It's all in our black boxes. Yep. And nothing like that has come about. So, hui. Hui. So, basically, a little bit, a lot of the same old, same old. Um, unfortunately, because I was sick, I was unable to do some stuff for gaming-wise for Dragon Con Online, but I will still keep you uh, abreast if that changes. I'm going to try to do stuff that's live and not recorded. Uh, as for, since my gaming is pretty much the same, I haven't done much, we're going to hop right into the news. Uh, and a couple really interesting things have actually shown up. Uh, one of which is we're getting a revised Curse of Strahd. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, October. Yeah, was it, a, was it a, to a, cut out all the, 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 the racist Vistani stuff? They did. That is a big part of it, yes. But it's cool. also like you're, it's like a coffin box. It's like a special edition. It's like coffin box and like kick-ass uh, the, the, the fortune teller deck. Oh, it looks sweet as hell. I was just like... Yeah, they have a custom fortune tower deck. They have a thing called the uh, uh, 20 Book of Monsters called the Creatures of Horror. Um, it's kind of like a new collector's and revised Curse of Strahd all in one. That's cool. Um, it's 100 bucks right now. Uh, I'm sure that some places may have it on sale eventually, but it's supposed to be coming out in October. It looks really rad. Maybe I'll be tempted to pick it up because that is consistently the adventure that everyone talks about. Is the Curse of Strahd one. Yeah, Andrew seems to like it a lot. 
um, our GM for Mad Mage. Yep. Uh, I picked up the fancy boy version of the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, so that'll Ooh. that'll be fancy. Uh, I also want to congratulate all the people who have won innies. Any oh, results are in. Good, 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 get on them, yeah. Yeah, get on them. Morkborg won best game, period, end of story, period. What was the uh, game? Morkborg. I have no idea what that is. What is that? You should really look it up. Morkborg is a is a heavy metal cover internal design hard hard gritty like nihilistic fantasy where as you play every day you're getting randomly you're getting closer to the end of the world. Hmm. And it's literally like set in like basically heavy metal land. Um, I will put a link in the show. So it's like Brutal Legend. Kind of. It's a little more like classic grit, like D&D gritty. Um, Interesting. It's got a very like slick system with a very like really evocative art and design. Um, it's, I believe it was designed in Scandinavia, hence the name, Morkborg. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. We're going to reverse that because I got it wrong. Best game, uh, this Morkborg got the silver medal. And Alien, the role-playing game, uh, got gold. Really? Yes. I've heard good things. Yes. Probably, probably, that was best game, so it probably takes in all into account all the things of the game and see if it encapsulates whatever it's trying to do the best. Um. I thought Morkborg got gold. Ah, okay, best layout and design. That's one of the things it got gold for. Um, as well as, also congratulations to uh, Red Moon Roleplaying for getting silver at best podcasts. Mm-hmm. And gold got Asians Represent, which is a Asian-focused podcast about role-playing games and looking at like Asian representation. Interesting. Um, uh, they have become of note because they have gone they've done a deep dive in a lot of the recent stuff for D&D. I was the uh, Oriental Adventures and stuff. I think I might. Like have, I think I might have seen. I don't know if I've seen that, but I have seen a a group that does stuff like that. Yep. Um. I was, I tried to watch like I tried to watch their video on Kindred of the East, mm-hmm. and I I I cannot disagree with anything they said, but just the sheer vitriol got to me. Oh, like, oh you, you own that vitriol. It's yours. You can hate it 100% you want. I don't, there, there's a, there was a limit of, of it that I wanted to expose myself to. Right. Like I'm you, not disagreeing with anything that they say, but it's like, all right, you guys are just being mean to be mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, if they're sitting there just shitting on something that you like, even if they're right, it's still just them sitting there. I don't, shitting even, on I, don't I don't even really like it. It's just like, it's just, I, yeah, I only, okay, fine. I, yeah, I get it. There's only so much. I can listen to someone just sit there and be negative about something before. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, can we just, can we not? I'm tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and I can understand, like, you don't, I wouldn't understand that level of vitriol because I don't get the cultural connection to it and the, uh, and the intensity of it. Um, and so I need to look at that. I'll, I may watch it, may report back about that just uh, to get my take on it. But uh, I'm sure whatever they're saying is absolutely correct because mm-hmm. even I knew it was kind of hogwash uh, when it was written. <laughs> the Dishonored hardcover will be released tomorrow, uh, which August 4th. Cool. You got the copy. full PDF, right? I got the full PDF. Well, I actually bought a full color copy, so I will be getting right. one in the mail. But like, you do have the PDF. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. They've been, and they've been errating it every week, basically. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, I've been looking, I'll probably, probably get down on it a bit more when I actually have it in my hands. I'll probably yep. want to talk about it because yeah, sure. the system is interesting. Yeah, I actually had a, a brief conversation back and forth with uh, our super patron, Michael Tyson, uh, over on the Simulacra patron uh, about how um, he apparently took a look at the Dishonored one and it didn't really jive with what he was going. So he's, he's thinking about using Blades in the Dark for a Dishonored game. Yep, I can see that. You could do that too. I mean, it depends on what you're, how much, like if you're trying to get into the weird Eldritch shit, you're going to want Dishonored. But you, if you're just looking for like whale punk, boys jumping around on ceilings and shit like and there's probably enough um homebrew or semi-professional work out there for glaze in the dark to get what you want uh, to to import into blades in the dark when you're playing blades in the dark like gore book can do dishonored perfect Morkborg got best writing as well interesting we're gonna move on from there but congratulations to everyone who won an any you deserve it. You guys have been good. Been doing good work. Uh, there's actually a couple here on here that I've been like need. I knew about, and others that I'm like need to look into, like uh, the ultraviolet glass grasslands, and oh, was it a the monster? Yeah, that's the best writing. Mo- the monsters know what, what they are doing, which is basically kind of like a GM tool to help GMs run monsters. Yeah, like the, it's how to run monsters intelligently and and ah yep. uh, yes, two bats know how to flank. Yes, yes. It's a very important um, question we should always ask. Do <laughs> bats know how to flank? <laughs> bats, do they know tactics? I don't know. This one went to, you know, West Point. Uh, but regardless, we're going to hop right into the main subject of the show, which is something really near dear in my heart because I have known about this for a little over a year now. And I've just fallen in love with the system. I'm actually using it for a game I'm designing because it is open. Uh, he has an open SRD license, a big gaming license for it. So I will be using a lot of it and breaking down a lot of it. It is called Iron Sword by Sean Tompkins. It's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty it cool. is an interesting, interesting derivative off of a lot of other games, uh, mostly based on anything that if you're familiar with called Powered by the Apocalypse which the short summation is very, very rules-light, narrative-heavy system that emphasizes what you're doing, why you're doing it, and then rolling a stat and then interpreting, helping interpret that fiction within the context of what is happening. Um, it's very focused on that. So I have gone knee-deep into it, so we wanted to talk about it today because I thought it deserved a deep dive. I read the basic system. I did not read much in, in the way of like the setting, but I don't mm-hmm. think I needed to because I think I get it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, Scott, have you read it? Have you, how much have you gone through? I have briefly glanced at it. <laughs> that's Lovely. fine then I tell get, me about I get, it. yeah tell me about this yeah, game matthew I'm, yeah I'm, that's what that's, me. that's what i get to do now i get to be put on the spot thanks everyone oh love you guys <laughs> fine no i'm i'm the audience surrogate here <laughs> uh that's fine i'm like then i'm like pov pay pov no i'm like the companion you're like you're you get to be the doctor yeah i mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, all right, let's go start off, start off, open the book, bigger on the inside. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> it is definitely bigger on the inside, I'll tell you that. So <laughs> we got Ryan a little bit. <laughs> it was very quick. We were very quick with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Iron Sworn, let's talk about it. As I said, made by Sean Tompkins. 
the very, very unique thing that right off the bat that will get you into Iron Swarm is the base book is completely free. It has everything you need to play a basic Iron Swarm game is on his website. It will obviously link in the show notes. You can literally download it. And the other advantage of this game is that it is designed for group play, what they call guided play, uh, co-op, which is there is no GM, there's no one guiding the game, and it's just multiple people playing. And then finally, solo play, which is you literally can play this game by yourself. You know, I did a poll, a very mm-hmm. small poll on Twitter, just asking, like, would you sit alone and sit alone and play a tabletop RPG? Like, no camera, no audience, you're not mm-hmm. recording it, it's just for you. And more than half of the respondents said yes in my very scientific poll, which had a very small sample size. <laughs> <Your> review, <laughs> but most, uh, and a very, a very official Twitter poll. My very official Twitter poll. Yep. But I, I, I just don't understand. Like, I oh. do not, like, to me, it just seems like it the is saddest a bit, thing it, I could imagine. It, I'd rather it read a book. It is a bit <laughs> masturbatory. I will get you that. However, me and you have had this conversation and definitely want to talk about it here, is the first thing out the gate about Iron Sworn and solo play is that it is really well geared towards doing essentially actual plays. Mm-hmm. Doing right. I mean, let's it's, plays. it's all fine if like you're just being kind of creatively telling a story I, with some randomization to an audience of people, like I get that that's performative. I understand that. But as far as like sitting there rolling a die by myself, I'd rather kill myself. That sounds <laughs> um, awful. It, it, it could, I am before I want to get into the actual iron sworn, like the more nits and nuts and bolts of it. But let me put this out there. If you are a writer, this is a great way to bust through writer's block because it lets you, help the dice and everything help you feed the fire of narrative in your own head and make decisions about your character on long as of course you're being honest about what you're doing but it could really help you be creative no i have to dude if you're sitting here like cheating at the game that you're playing alone good lord <laughs> i got nothing for you man i got i, I think have you been listening to podcast i don't <laughs> i mean what else? It, it depends like if, if you are using it as like a narrative tool and whatnot and like and you're trying to use it to, to make decisions and whatnot. If the dice give you a really stupid decision that wouldn't make for a good story, then I yeah. can see like, yeah, no, but, but it, it's one of those, you know, yeah. yeah, you've now you've made, you, you were trying to make a decision and well, this has helped you make the decision. Yep. Well, that seems yeah. stupid. I guess I'm not doing that. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes eliminating what's, what you don't like is important. Mm-hmm. And this sort of leads me directly into what Iron Sworn is because more than anything, in like most games, role-playing games that we've talked about or your, most people are experiencing, the fiction of the game, the setting of the game is actually not that as big, big a part of the game. It's mostly how the system and your setting interact that is really important because as the literally the rule book that you can download right now, the one of the first things is it explains what Iron Sworn is. It's just a basically, as some people would put it, a Viking simulator. It is a fictional place that is hard scrabble, cold, wet, awful place that you are a part of and that you live in and you need to try to survive. Really, kind of, yeah. But you play. The conceit is you play one of the Ironsworn. One of the Ironsworns are people who have made, who are willing to make vows upon iron, which iron is very nebulously defined, because I'll get to that in a little bit, and. When you make an iron vow, you're saying, 
I'm going to go do a thing regardless of how I need to go do it. It needs to be accomplished. And everything sort of centers around this idea of completing your iron vows. That's how you get XP and like shaping the narrative around actively going after your iron vows and fulfilling them. Uh, so that's sort of like the main thing. As an aside, is the intention to get like, to have like a singular iron vow at a time that you're working on? Is it supposed to be like a, like a, like this is what we're doing today sort of thing? Or it can be a little bit of all of that because everyone starts with a, what they call background vow, which a background vow is how, how did you get started being an iron sword? What is your big thing that you want to accomplish? And then there's your, then you'll also pick at character creation, your current vow. What are you, what is the current job you're doing? What is the vow you're trying to fill right now? Your background vow obviously is not complete, but you also have your current one you're in the middle of. So you can have multiple vows currently have multiple going at the same time. I mean, they all basically just fill a track, right? Yes. So the, the core can, mechanical conceit is because this is very mechanically light is every vow everything basically runs on a 10 box track and you're trying to fill that track up as much as you can with what they call moves and moves are just die roll. Essentially when the fiction needs that you need some random outcome or you need to determine what has happened, you'll make a move. And when you do a move, you roll die, add your stat, maybe add one of your cool miscellaneous bonuses. There's not many of them. And you then roll what he, that's called the action die, the D6. And then there is the 2D10, which is called the challenge die, dice. And the challenge dice are what you're going trying to, like the target number you're trying to beat. And so every time you roll, the challenge, the difficulty or the target number you're trying to hit with the 2D uh, to beat with those challenge die always changes. Hmm. Sometimes it will be really low. Sometimes it will be really high. And depending on, essentially has three gradients of success, which is strong hit, weak hit, miss which is you beat both the challenge die off your d6 and all those bonuses you get a strong hit if you only beat one of the two challenge die it's a weak hit if you miss both of them it's it's a miss and the narrative flows from there interesting okay so so it's not you roll 2d10 and you put them together and that's your big number okay, no nope, nope. it's no that's it okay all right i it's, see how that yeah, works it's, it's big it's yeah it's miss big it's missed little big yes um it also, the entire system is all player-facing. The GM never, if you have a guide, a GM, you never roll dice. Uh, mm. It's everything, including when uh, you get harmed, when, when let's say you miss a hit, and you get harmed by... So, in some of the action, we'll make a very simple example. If a monster was trying to harm Scott, I, the GM would not roll dice. Scott would have to then go, the monster's hitting you can you please roll endure harm for me? Mm -hmm. And how you roll endure harm determines if you get harmed or not. I see. If you hurt, want to try to hurt the monster and try to beat him, it's its own track. Beating like, a oh, we're in a fight. A fight has its own track too. And depending on how dangerous the threat is determines how fast, how fast you can tick up those boxes and how much harm, if you do suffer harm, you will take. That's similar to how Blades in the Dark does it. Everything mm -hmm. in Blades in the Dark is based off a clock, like mm -hmm. uh, like a wheel that you yep. uh, you you basically draw a circle, subdivide it based on how many ticks an action takes, mm -hmm. um, and and uh, that's that's how that works. 
Um, the kicker here is this is where the dichotomy sort of comes up. This is where it starts getting very more complicated. As you're completing vows, fighting monsters, doing whatever, even traveling, traveling is its own box. They, they call it like, uh, it's not sojourning, it's uh, going on a journey. If you go on a journey in the Ironlands, you have to roll to see what happens during your journey because traveling is dangerous. Yeah. Um, it can take you, uh, and depending on the severity of whatever challenge, they, and he has multiple gradations, uh, depends how fast or how complicated getting to the end is. However, you don't, to complete something, you don't need just to get 10, all the boxes filled. At any time, you can say, I want to finish a task. I want to finish a vow. I want to finish uh, the journey. I want to die. fight. Die? Sure. You can go, I want to make my progress. I'm not kidding. Progress. There's really a... Yeah. Choose it's called end. writing your requiem. Um, also, endure death or, or face death, I think it's called, is a move. Mm -hmm. So the progress moves, which is own separate sort of mini system of moves, is... You roll, but you don't roll an action dot. You just roll the 2d10 challenge and compare it to the um, your progress, the total number of completed boxes you have on the on the on the t track. And if you and you can get again strong hits, weak hits, or misses. And you said that you're finished with this thing, and that that's it. There is very little to no manipulation of a progress move. So in, if you're you're trying to basically gamble, let's say you're trying to finish the fight. If you gamble and you and you and you made a miss, you could get seriously wounded, if not dead, because you tried to finish this fight when the fight was absolutely not done. Yeah, and there is a momentum system mm -hmm. in place that sort of modifies what your situation is. So it, it lets you hedge against randomness as much randomness as it can happen with those dice, the way it's set up. Um Essentially, momentum is a pool, and a lot of moves, if you get like a weak hit or even a strong hit, you'll get momentum, and it ticks up, and it goes up. And at any time, you can say, I'm burning momentum, and it lets you cancel out any of the challenge die that is equal to the, your current level of momentum or lower, and, 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 and basically makes those auto successes against that. Um, but you can't use momentum on progress moves. You can only do it on normal moves. So there is a lot of like, oh, little things adding, stacking on top of each other to succeed. But when it really comes down to seeing if you succeed or not, it's very, it becomes much more random. Hmm. It's about playing your cards right and, and hoping the dice are with you. Uh, so when you're solo playing, like, yeah. how does the, like, how does that work? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you tell it? How do you, how do you do that? Because it's, how do you do that? Sure. Yeah. I can go through that. Uh, I've watched a decent amount of actual plays. So I have some experience thinking about even doing something for some lacquer TV at some point. Yeah. Let me know. Because it's actually a pretty interesting system. Uh, essentially 11 truths to iron sworn. And when you start a game, regardless if you're solo playing or with a guide or whatnot, you have to answer these questions. And these are pretty stock standard setting questions for uh, sort of a fantasy-esque uh, fantasy Viking Norsemen sort of situation. What, is, what, where, what was the world you came from? Because you all left along, your ancestors left a while back. Why did they leave? Was it a disease? Did, it, did, did you all get cursed? Were you persecuted? What? Um, 
what does iron, what's the role of iron in your game? Is it actually like a mystical, like supernatural metal? Is it just iron? Or do they call it the iron lands because you're all hardy people? Like, what is the narrative of that? Um, then it's like, how, how are communities built? Are they like kingdoms and fiefdoms or are they just like post-apocalyptic war bands? Um, and each one of these truths has to be answered so you establish sort of the base narrative of your game. So you understand the character you're going to make in Iron Sword. When solo play happens, you are going to be your character. And when there are things that you are not certain of that you cannot adjudicate yourself that are clearly defined, you do generally a move called Ask the Oracle. And the Ask the Oracle is basically a way of helping a singular person determine the random element. Um, by the way, the layout of Ironsworn is really well done. Yep. He has nice big descriptions of very important things. He has like an entire diagram for the flow of play. I was actually going to comment on that, that he actually yeah. did a fantastic job of how the book's put together because I'd never, I didn't really have to like control F search around yep. for any, yep. like I was never confused as to what he, what he was referring to. Right. And he had and nice he, diagram. The diagrams mm -hmm. are nice. Yep. So asking the Oracle is very much about the context of what you're trying to do. He's got many tables for how you do it. He's got a very bland, he's got a very blanket thing, which is if you want to know what the, like, if you're like, I have this idea in my head what the outcome is, but I don't know if it's super likely you can actually give it sort of a degree of like percentile on a percentile dice and see if that's very likely if like, if you set a percentage range, if you hit that, it's going to happen. If it hits a certain other range, maybe it happens or something else happens. Or, or if you get a certain out of side of that main range, it's like this, whatever you were thinking is absolutely not what happens. Um, but also he has more specific things like outcomes for actions. Um, and you need to determine what you want. Is it a theme? Is it a sort of a, is it a location based? I don't know what this mountain range is all about. What, what, what is the cool thing in this mountain range? Some could be like, there's a hideout or runes or something. It's, yeah. um, and it can be like people. Uh, what is the gender or gender identity of the people I'm talking to? It can be male, female, non-binary, other. It, it's very progressive in that it has a large variety of options. Um, and so you, and what's cool about using the Oracle, especially in solo play is it goes, this is a very random outcome. You need to incorporate it into your fiction. Um, that's the big kicker of all the powered by apocalypse systems and especially Iron Sword is the fiction comes first. If it makes sense that you are, can go do something, you go do it. Like, does it make sense that this is the outcome? Uh, like I just tried to intimidate this guy and he didn't like that. I, and I failed and I got a miss and he didn't like that. So now a fight's broken out. That's fine. Let it, let it flow. Let it, let it, that do. But if something, if you think eh, maybe that happened or maybe something else up, you can ask the Oracle and the Oracle will help you guide you through creating a possible outcome for what may happen next. Hmm. Yeah, you can come up with random settlements. There's a bit, bit it's kind of a name generator because that's what Ask the Oracle is, is a lot of tables about places, things, people, uh, events, um, outcomes. Like when you create NPCs, if you really want to go random, you'd be like, who am I talking to? I'm talking to dudes, uh, the person's gender, person's name, person's job, and three characteristics that they're all about. 
like three attribute, like personality attributes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you're like, I'm talking to Dole. She is a minor and she's, uh, she, and she's like, she's compassionate, but foolhardy and, uh, contemplative. Okay, fine. Uh, now I have to incorporate that into my fiction because I, I, me as the player, also the guide didn't come, doesn't necessarily have to come up with that. And you have to kind of think of everyone's sort of narrative interaction with you and how it tells your story. I like to think about the best way I like to think about Iron Sworn is watch Conan the Barbarian, right? The original Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Mm hmm. If you are at least vaguely familiar with Ironsworn, how it operates, and you watch Conan, you're like, that's someone's solo play. Interesting. Okay. It's like, oh, my background vow is to go uh, go find out who killed my entire people. Turns out it will be Falsa Doom, but then my vow will become kill Falsa Doom. Like, that is my big vow and, like, my big epic vow because it's going to take me the entire movie to go do it. But... I'll have a lot of other little vows. Like, like, what's the longest play that's been done on this so far? Uh, some I've seen have gone forty plus episodes, like Ow. hours. Or uh, you, uh, I haven't looked. They haven't tallied up the actual town, but I can look it up real quick. Well, I mean, like, what's the general length of an episode? Some of these are probably like an hour. Oh, okay, so wow, you should, there's some pretty decent um, longevity here. I would definitely recommend if you're vaguely interested in Ironsworn, look up some actual plays. Absorb it, see how it works. Um, I'll also tag this in the show notes. Sean Topkins has a official podcast for Ironsworn called Ask the Oracle. And Ask Oracle goes, they go through a co-op play of not only explaining the game and all of its intricacies and mechanics, also creating characters, and then they're actually doing an actual play with him and his son. Interesting. Um, okay. They're going through cool. the game, playing two characters. Ironsworn is very mechanically light. You have literally five stats. You have like edge, iron. Edge is like your speed and your agility. Iron is your like hardiness and strength. Uh, you have your wit, which is your intelligence. You have shadow, which is like your cunning, as well as like your deceptive, your deceptive nature. Heart is like your willpower and your compassion. And all of these create the, the core mechanics. And then you'll pick something called assets. Assets are essentially kind of what your character's about more than your stats. Assets are like, some are like called, uh, sometimes you get items like, I have a talking sword. Or others can be like, I have a faithful companion. He's a mammoth. He's awesome. Yeah, they have like the eagle one that's yep. seemed pretty, you know, seemed pretty cool. Yeah you, can have a, yeah, you can have animal companions. You can have people companions. You can have like a best friend who hangs out and does stuff with you. Uh, there's also like pads. Like you are really, you're something called like a slayer. You're really good at hunting beasts and animals in, in the Ironlands. And so you have this path and you will get this power when you get the asset. And then as you get XP, you can upgrade the asset or buy whole new assets. If the narrative, if you deem that the narrative works well, the approach when playing Iron Sworn, as far as I've seen solo play or not, if you, even if you're in guided play is a lot of top down sort of marionetting your character. It's like, what does the narrative of my character? How do I want this to happen? Because Sometimes you'll get, because of weak hits, you'll have to go, you get the thing you wanted, but at a cost. What is that cost? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's really kind of on you to like to put teeth to it. Yes. Not exactly um, a game you play if you want to win more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can try to win more in Iron Swarm, but I think you're starting to defeating the purpose. You're kind of jerking off at that point. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it's but since the challenge the target number on those challenge dice constantly changes it's very difficult you can't hedge your bets very easily um and there are bad things that really happen to you you get harmed you have a stat called spirit which is just kind of like your overall like morale and that can go down and if you get too far down on morale your spirit can be broken you can go to desolation which basically means either you be I hate to say it, you go suicidal or if depending on the narrative you want, or you just go start raving mad and you become useless and you can't do anything. Um, very bad things, permanent things, uh, maiming can happen to your character. If you get too harmed, you can suffer permanent disability on your character. And that's a part of your character's narrative. Seems like you might consider a generational game. Yeah. Oof. You, you could totally do that. That's Yeah. You yeah, can, like have you, like an overarching vow that will take mm -hmm. many generations to accomplish, and each generation gets a little bit of progress on it. Yeah, and then gets the, horribly fucked up, and then you know some kid has has this shit laid on them. Yes, a wizard comes to them and says, "Oh, mm -hmm. your yeah. father was set to this task, and now it is yours." He completed it. A life it up. Destiny. <laughs> Thrilling adventure. No, Honestly, your no. father was a huge disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do much at all. He really Had didn't get much done. Mule <laughs> killed him. All right. All right, son. I know you're 12, but we really need a W on this one. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> really gone shit. W on this one. <laughs> um, so the, the, three, the five challenges is sort of because this all dims how difficult you make any vow or anything. You can have troublesome, dangerous, formidable, extreme, or epic. It, let's say you're doing something troublesome. It's fair. It's the easiest one. You'll make three progress on uh, any given track every time you roll. And if you at least get a uh, weak hit, you will get that much progress. Dangerous is two boxes. Formidable is one box. Now the, okay, so there was one thing that I, I, uh, that the, that I got real confused about. Sure. It talks about ticks, yes. and it's like, but it talks about it as if it's like four ticks to a box when it's clearly only three. No, it is. It is. Uh, it's four ticks, up, up to down, left to right, and then one to cross, one to cross. Okay. I, I guess uh, it, I misunderstood. Yeah. It, there's uh, the towards the beginning. He's got a chart that explains the ticks. Um. And basically, extreme and epic only give you ticks, not full progression boxes. Because it's so essentially, hard, yeah. they get very difficult. So, like something that's very generational, epic would be a is a great example, of like an epic vow, something that you and then probably other characters have taken up generationally to complete. Because every time you roll, it, and this is really on you, and that's another thing, especially if you're doing solo play, is determining in the fiction of like, when is it appropriate to roll? When is it appropriate to get, reach a milestone, make a roll that I think makes progress on one of my vows or on something I'm doing? It's like, okay, I'm infiltrating this dungeon. Maybe completing the dungeon is a good milestone for my epic vow. And then I'll roll to see if I made some progress because I looted the dungeon and I was able to get the thing I thought I was going to get that will help me with my main quest. But going and clearing the dungeon could have been a whole separate vow onto its own that you had to do that was much easier compared to your epic vow. You can get your XPs. Yes, that's, that's absolutely. Um, you can abandon a vow at any time. Uh, there's some consequences for doing so, but if you think it's like, wow, this thing is really too hard or I'm in a really bad situation, I'll never really succeed at it, you can give it up 
you'll take some spirit loss and maybe some repercussions will happen in narratively, but you can, and then you can start moving your character on to what you really want to do with that character. Cool. That's the bulk of the, the hard like mechanics of it. Um, there's obviously a lot more that I, it would take multiple hours of like detailed discussion to really get through like explaining the nitty gritty of Iron Swarm. Uh, oh, another thing that's really important uh, is supply. Um, they actually talk about like, they don't, they don't check, they don't track items individually unless it's like an asset. But most of the time it's all wrapped up in something called supply. It's like having supply, food, water, the gear you need to do or to get the thing done. And sometimes certain moves or certain consequences could gain or lose supply. So you can be in a bad or bad situation at the end of a journey when you got to the dungeon I talked about because the rolls really screwed you and you ate up much more supply than you wanted to. I see. And uh, in sort of co-op mode and in guided mode where you have multiple players, you share a lot of these um, uh, pools. You don't, uh, spirit and harm don't, but supply and I think even momentum, I'd have to look at that up, all track between players. So it's if one suffers, we're, a lot of us are going to suffer. Most of us are going to suffer. Dang it, or, or League, you ate all the salt park. Yeah, that's that's exactly. It's like make a roll. This happened. Okay, guys. Now we need to think of the narrative of why this thing happened. The um, ale has spoiled. Yeah, you could. Yeah, the eggs have spoiled. Um, also, uh, actually, you're doing the funny accent, and I like that. But let me point out, Sean Tompkins did a great job of being very, even though it's Viking and Norseman uh, evocative, he never defines it as a specific culture or pe type of people. Yes, but I've got this silly accent, so I'm going to use it. You, you're welcome to do silly accents, but you don't have to. You can. He's got wonderful art that I love because he uses a lot of like basically stock art and modified uh, photos to be all his interior art, and he's got a wide representation of people from all, all different ethnicities and types. Now, a lot of them do look very Viking-esque, and that's the bulk of what he's showcasing, but that's because he's trying to evoke the, the hard scrapple nature of more Nordic, hist like fa Nordic fantasy. But that by no means meant to be like six feet tall, blonde hair, and blue-eyed. Uh, it's a play. You can play whatever you want. Do whatever you want. More of Dark Souls. Or, yeah, it's kind yes, of very, yeah, Dark Souls, every, but also... Just everybody. Yeah. Uh, there's actually... He does a wide variety of things, fun things with his assets. One of them is you're back from the dead. You officially died. You bought this asset. You are you have been come back from the dead, Ooh, and I you are different. Are. Yeah, uh, there's a whole host, and then um, going a little bit beyond battles, uh, battlesworn, ironsworn proper. He's got actual content you can buy called Dell, which is basically the expansion for ironsworn that goes into details about making like dungeons, expanding the move system, expanding assets, giving it a lot more teeth and versatility for the, the main game. But I think it was brilliant that he made the main game free. Yeah, I mean, that's a... <laughs> yeah, I definitely would, would have had to get, get a hold of it through much more nefarious means if it weren't free like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> straight up free, and I love it. I love that it is free. Um, and all the moves, what's really cool, all the moves 
stock standard, if you're doing a standard move, like endure harm, swearing a vow, trying to like attack someone, they all have results for what you do when you get a strong hit, a weak hit, or a miss. And they really help you sort of flavor out because a lot of the misses are like, a miss happens or like a weak happens, like pay the price. When he says pay the price, it's like, okay, you need to come up with a reason. Did you lose? Did you get hurt? Did you lose supply? Did you lose spirit? Like, what did you do? You get to come up with the outcome of what happened. Or if not, ask the Oracle and the Oracle will help you set you straight. Very interesting. It's very much like I said, um, what's interesting about Ironsworn over like some of the other games of Powered by the Apocalypse, in those games, your character, your character progression and the moves you can or cannot make are all defined by the type of character you play. This is very much an unpacking of those things and going, anyone can make any type of move. We, we're making the system much more generic so that anyone can do anything they want. They're not defined. Uh, one of the Powered by the Apocalypse games I play, it's called, I think it's called, was it called Capes? It was called, it was a superhero version. And based on the type of superhero you were, you were determine your stats as well as determine the moves, the things I could do in mm. the game. Whereas this is much more pick and choose what you can and cannot do. Yeah, it seems. It's yeah. I mean, it's obviously much more of a narrative focus over a m- machine. Yes, very much so. Um, he does have a set setting for Iron Sworn um, because there is a map that he is sort of a fictional map he's made, and he's defined sort of uh, nine different regions with their own sort of attributes. Yeah, but yeah, obviously, if you don't want to go through the trouble of actually like making figuring it out for yourself. You, you shouldn't have to do that. What's really fascinating that I have found when watching people play this is the truths they come up with for the game are so interesting because you're like, yeah, okay, there was a disease and that's why we all left. It's like, okay, what was the disease? Do you know? Was it like COVID-19 on steroids or was it like like a curse from the gods and it was a disease that flowed through? Um, or like a nanoplague that has yeah, all nanoplague. society. Uh, speaking of that, he's actually coming up with another version of this called Starforge. Ah. It's it's the sci-fi version of Iron Sword. Interesting. You come up, yeah, you come up with planets and stuff. Ah, oh, that's, that's how you do this sort of like No Man's Sky. Yep, you can totally do that. He is about to release that. Um, he has not released it yet, but he's been he's a very active Twitter gentleman, and he has posted a lot of pictures and stuff that he has gotten for. Starforge, and it's really cool looking. I am much more likely to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, I would recommend he does solid work. Yeah, he comes up with, for each of the truths, he comes up with three suggestions. Obviously, you don't have to follow them, but all of them really help you clearly define what's going on uh, in this. Like, one is legacy. It's pretty easy. We are the first humans to walk these lands, so no humans has ever been on the Iron Lands before. Well, there might be some Uh, weird shit. Right. Uh, the second one is other humans settled here uh, from the old world untold years ago, but all that is left of them is savage, feral people. We call them the broken. Is it is there is it is it their fate to become our is their fate to become our own? Nah. And the last ones before the Ironlanders, before even the firstborn, another people lived here. Their ancient ruins are found throughout the Ironlands. It's like okay, very evocative elves and shit. Yes, elves and shit. Iron is also like that. Well, there's some fun ones for Iron because Iron obviously is a big part of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the title, uh, just like dragons and dungeons. Yeah, it's like in the imposing hills and mountains of the Iron Lands are rich in iron ore. Most prized of all are the Star Forge Black Iron. Uh, 
the, the other one is the weather is bleak rain and wind sweep up from the ocean the winters are long and bitter one of the first settlers complained only those made of iron dare live in this this foul place and thus the land was named uh, and the last one which is a little longer is inscrutable metal pillars are found throughout the land they are iron gray and smooth as river stone no one knows their purpose some say they are old as the world some such as the iron priest worship them swear vows upon them most make the warding signs and hurry along their way with when they uh they happen across one the pillars do not tarnish and even the sharpest blades cannot mark them that's some 2001 shit Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can totally do 2001 and we're the apes mm -hmm. yeah, you can, yeah there are some really cool things that he has just done to make it's like alright we're gonna define your world that you want to play in and go play it I want to be a um, damn dirty ape Yeah, you can be a damn dirty ooh, ape ooh. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, as you can see and you see you're starting to see why I have intrigued by Iron Sworn because the system he's created can be easily broken apart even farther and adjusted to make what you need from it. And that's definitely what I'm doing with the game I'm developing. Uh, very cool. Is very cool uh, and very cool indeed. So if you want to play a damn dirty ape and you have to wrangle those pesky humans, you can do that. You could be an ape person. Uh, I just want to be an ape people. Uh, who, at th this point in time, sure. Seems like it'd be a lot simpler, right? Yeah, they have so, <laughs> yeah. so many fewer concerns. Oh, so. yep. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, the the help really define your characters. Obviously, assets you can do a lot of variety of things with them. Uh, do you have any other guys' questions about Iron Sworn? I know we've talked a lot for this episode. I mean, yeah, you I mean you did the most. You 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 checked up on it the most. Yes, obviously, I've been reading no, a lot about interesting. it. Um, yeah, I'd be I'm definitely interested to see what Star Wars is all about because that's yep. that would probably be more my my speed. Um, I, I may, uh, dear dear audience members, I may uh, run something short for the people here for Polyhedron um, because I wouldn't mind trying to do some guided play with Iron Sworn or Star Forge when it comes out. I mean, yeah, it and, seems like it'd yep. be perfect for you know the three of us just sitting around. Faffing yep. about. Yep. Faffing. That's, that's what I like about it because you know, there is some fun you can have with long-term play, I think, with this game. Obviously, a short-term adventure, solo play probably, but there are people who get some serious mileage out of this system and setting so they can do a lot. Uh, you guys have any other last questions? Nah, man. Um, nothing wow. else, but I, like, I, I, uh, I recently found a YouTube video that went over like solo play RPGs. Yes. Examples. And yes. some of them, most of them sound like kind of like interesting. The one that, that intrigued me was called The Machine. Mm. Um, and it's, um, most of these are, are more like, the ones that they went over are more like journaling games or like you, yes. you create a journal. Uh, and, and um, you know, it's, it's basically more like a guided writing exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, but The Machine is like you, you are, cursed to be compelled to build this machine uh and you know it, it's it's vaguely steampunk uh and you know you use playing cards to determine like uh, all right what's the um like the suit and the card itself combine to determine like what's the mood of this what's the general narrative beat that we're going for mm -hmm. and and you you shape it that way and then every time you every time you draw an ace or a face card you get a skull and then Three, three skulls is that's your last entry um, and then you're supposed to pass the journal on oh neat uh, and 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 thus curse the curse a new person to have to con they, they have your journal and they can read all of your entries 
uh, and like they can see what what has come before, and then they have to take up the task of building the machine. That's really cool. That's that's good for like play by email and stuff yeah, like play that. Play by email, play by post. I've been thinking about doing something with that, uh, like starting doing it, doing a run of it, and then passing it off to somebody, but doing yeah. it in a sort of like vlog style. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you totally do that. Now, you can't um, go wrong with anything that makes that lets you play games while not being around other people right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. And I, I just love the idea of cursing someone. So I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's come on, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, come on, everybody, everybody's doing it. Everybody. Yeah, everyone's doing it. Everyone gets your curse on. Yeah, that's that. That's what intrigued me was this was one of the few times, one of the first times I've ever read anything that was like geared towards solo play. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how the sweet hell do you do that? And then I was like, saw people do it online. I was like, oh, this guy really did a good job of like giving you the tools necessary to do that. Um, Because a lot of the plays I've seen have been journal style play where as roles are made, they are then journal entries are made by the uh, by the uh, the player at in sort of like in and out of game te- uh, like conversational tones to explain the tracking everything that has happened. Of course, that just reminds me of boat murdered. Boat murdered. Oh, you. Oh, is it a dwarf fortress? It's a dwarf fortress thing. It's, it's yeah. a, a game of dwarf fortress that got passed from person to person. Uh, and each person that did it chronicled their 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 attempts to uh, foster the the dwarven hold of boat murdered uh, in a narrative fashion. And, uh, doesn't go well. It doesn't everyone. go well. No, of course, nothing in Dwarf Fortress goes well. I can I still want. I can never get into Dwarf Fortress. It is too supposedly fiddly. three years ago. The guy was like, "I'm releasing a visual way of like a, a more gooey, uh, player friendly, gooey version of Dwarf mm-hmm. Fortress." hasn't come up on steam yet but i want to play it at the moment that it comes out so i can actually function it'll actually be functional for me <laughs> jesus then dwarves uh, in that fortress there so are yeah in there. i will link up dwarf on fortress hold. and boat murdered so you understand exactly what we're talking about have fun with that one you won't, right. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> elephants man elephants part of the bane of our existence <laughs> <laughs> yeah they all become perpetually terrified of elephants <laughs> but if there's nothing else fellas i think we can wrap it up here sure uh so from everyone here at polyhedron go where your fun is go roll some dice wear a mask hello everyone matthew here if you enjoyed the show you can always contact us at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com as well as at polyhedroncast on twitter and if you want to get in touch with me i'm at divis Melkab on twitter and i'm at arduous r-j-u-o-u-s on twitter and if you really want to show your support and get some extra content on the side head on over to patreon.com slash polyhedron.